Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. You might notice I'm doing things a little different today. I have a different mic. My son got me for Christmas, so hopefully this will sound a little better. That's my hope and my prayer. But today I want to talk to you about focusing on Jesus. You know, as Christians, our focus needs to be on the Lord. In this day, at these times, with all we see around us in the world, more than ever, we need to focus on Jesus. There are a lot of distractions in the world. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in those other things. But we need to look to Jesus, understand what he taught us, and how to apply what he has taught us in our lives. Looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we are encouraged to follow Jesus in this life, focusing on him and his example as our leader. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So first, if we look at this, these three verses, and we look at the first verse, who are these witnesses? He talks about such a great cloud of witnesses, right? Well, if we look back at Hebrews chapter 11, and I think of this as the heroes of faith um, chapter, if we look there, we can see these people, right? So let's just take a quick glance back to Hebrews chapter 11, and notice that the writer here, if we look at the first three verses of chapter 11, Hebrews 11, verses uh, 1 through 3, if we look at that, we'll notice that the writer is explaining our faith and the foundation of our faith. So let's look here at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is an age-old quandary for us as people. We cannot see what created the universe. But we do not follow the visible world or nature or what we see in the world. We follow the Lord. We follow the invisible source of creation. This is the same Lord that these people listed in Hebrews 11 followed. We look at Abel. Look at Abraham, God's friend. Joseph, who told them to expect the exodus, that it would occur, and he told them way in advance of that. Moses, the Lord's servant, the humblest man. God gave the law through Moses, and Moses interceded on behalf of the people a lot of times. He's a pretty clear precursor to Christ in that way. Moses brought the law from God, and then he interceded for the people. And that's what Jesus does for us now. 
Their foundation was the Lord even before the law. Because notice we went back to Abel and Abraham. But also during the law, look at Joshua, Samuel, David, and Solomon. Our foundation of faith is from that same source. They believed in God, though they had not fully received the promise. Christ had not come yet, so they had not received the promise that we have received today. But there are similarities in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and the New Testament or the New Covenant. Even the Bible that God has given us, it reflects and shows us this foundation of our faith. It shows us this similarity between the two covenants. Now, this is a general summary that I'm going to show on the screen here. It's very high level, but I think the comparisons are easily seen and and understood. It's not meant to be anything groundbreaking. The Bible has been around for thousands of years. I know others have mentioned things like this before. And I'm sure I've heard that and read some of that. But I do want us to take a look at this for a moment and just realize that our New Covenant New Testament, our foundation and our faith in Christ, all started way back in the Old Testament. So, in the Old Testament, we have five books of the law. In the New Testament, we have the four Gospels. In the books of the law, creation is explained The beginning of God's relationship with man is explained. God chooses a representative and sends him to lead the people out of bondage. God gives the law to his people through Moses. God comes to dwell among his children and guide them through the world. In the Gospels, creation is explained. The birth of Christ is explained, and his relationship with man and God is explained. God sends Jesus to rescue his people from the bondage of sin. The Lord gives us the law of love that God wants us to follow because it will fulfill all of the old law as well as going beyond. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in his children and guide them through this life. In other words, the Gospels are our law. Jesus is our example, our leader, our teacher, and our king. He is our Lord and lawgiver. And all this is founded on the old law and the old covenant. We can continue and see this pattern continue as well. The books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, and others Give us the history of God's people and their beginning, how they formed a nation, and how they had good times and bad, when they followed God and when they didn't, because we know there are times when they didn't. Our historical book is Acts. It's shorter, but it gives us a lot of the history of the church's beginning. It shows some good times and bad times. It shows some people making some bad decisions when people followed the Lord and then When they didn't follow the Lord, that's those bad decisions. Then we have the books of wisdom. Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. They explain God's teachings or laws in practical ways. And in the New Testament, there are the epistles. These also affirm Jesus' teachings and help us to apply them in our lives in practical ways. 
The books of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, to name just a few of them, they told of things to come, focusing a lot on the coming of Christ, but also warning the people of the destruction of their nation if they if they uh, continued to not follow God. Then we have Revelation. Revelation, the revelation of Jesus given to us by Christ through John. This is a book of prophecy. It too tells of the second coming of Christ, so it's focused on Christ's return. And it provides warnings for those who will not come to the Lord or who are not following the Lord properly. Remember all the letters to the congregations. Now, I did leave out what are referred to as the the books of song or song books, and those are kind of unique to the Old Testament. I don't think there's any special meaning in that. You can look at our hymnals today and see that people are always creating new songs of praise to the Lord, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you did want to categorize the song books, uh, I would say you could easily add them uh, in with the wisdom books because they're all about the wisdom of following God and doing properly like he teaches us to do. So I took this time to point out these foundations of our faith so that we could see that pattern, see what came before, and see how our covenant is built on the old. Now, what is the one constant in all these things, in all this time covered by the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the old patriarchs, the law, all of that? Well, John tells us in his gospel, in the first few verses, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the constant. He is that constant. He is who we follow and who we base our faith on. Just like they based their faith on the Lord in times past. Jesus is the founder of all creation. In verse 4, it's stated past tense, but you could easily change that from was to is because the Lord is eternal. And you could say, in him, the Lord is life, and the life is the light of men. And also because the Greek word does lend itself to that as well. But they had it in past tense here in our translation, and I'm sure they translated it the way it was written. I'm just saying, you could change that. That's still true. Jesus is still the life and the light. So, this life is eternal life. It is both physical and spiritual, a good moral life, a complete life. He is the source of that life, what we might call a lot, the life force, the life force of the universe. And that life force is our light. It is our fire, our source of energy and light and inspiration and goodness and knowledge of God. 
With that in mind, I want to go back to our original verses in Hebrew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So looking at verse 1 again, the Bible establishes these witnesses in their faith, and that their faith was in the Lord and the promise of his coming. So with that foundation, seeing that they were already believing in and following the Lord, the expectation they had of Christ and his coming salvation down through the ages, with that knowledge in mind, we must put aside any hindrances to our faith. Distractions and thoughts that are not necessarily sinful of themselves, but things that can pull us from the Lord or that will slow us down or keep us from following the Lord like we should. Think of it like this. Jesus tells you to follow him, which he does tell us to follow him. But he tells you to follow him as you walk a few miles down the road together. And he'll explain everything to you, all the mysteries of God. Now Jesus is not carrying anything, but you are carrying a hundred pound rock. Now the rock isn't sinful. It just exists, and it's yours. You own it. It's your rock. You're just carrying it with you. But it's something that weighs on you. The further you go, the tireder you get. The harder it becomes for you to focus on the conversation with Jesus. After a mile or so, maybe less if you're a little soft like me, um, you may not even be listening or caring about the conversation You just want to drop that rock. You just want to sit down and and rest. Sometimes that's the way life is for us. We have committed ourselves to things, or maybe we are distracted by things. We have things that weigh on our mind and slow us down. They are obstacles to following the Lord, even if they are not sinful in nature. We just can't keep up under that load. We need to set that rock down. And trust God to supply us with what we need. We don't need that 100-pound rock. Next, the writer mentions that we need to also put away sin. Sin which clings to us. Sin attaches itself to us. It is an encumbrance. It's like tying 50 pounds to one foot and trying to run a marathon. Can you even imagine doing that? Again, we can't keep up. We're slowed down. We're crippled by our sin. We're just dragging that one foot, right? We're just dragging that. The other one's fine, but we're dragging that along. We can't run the race. We're held back from following the Lord. These sins, they're like that weight on our foot. They weigh down our minds. They're they're weighing heavily on our minds. They're on our hearts. So how do we put these things down? How do we 
put them away? Well, the writer tells us plainly, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We change our focus. We quit focusing on the worldly weights and the worldly sins, but we change our focus. Don't focus on what not to do, but rather focus on what we need to be doing. If we focus on what we need to be doing, then we won't be distracted by these other things. Or, we won't be as tempted to sin. We will always have some temptation. We will always face some temptation, but it is much easier to fight that temptation when you're focused on the Lord, when you're focused on something else. So, for instance, I'm just going to give you a few examples. Don't focus on not lying. Focus on being honest. Don't try not to hate people. Focus on loving people. Don't try not to be selfish. Focus on giving to others. Don't try to hold, to not hold grudges, but focus on forgiving. These are very difficult things. These are not easy. It's very easy to sit and say them, but it is not easy to do them. But we can do that if we will focus on the Lord and focus on these things He wants us to do. Focus on what Jesus has taught us. If we focus on following Him, then we will find that we don't need these other things. These other things will drop away. They will not be important to us. Jesus is the author of our faith. He established all of creation, the patriarchal time, and the old law. He and the promise of Him is the foundation of it all. Remember that Jesus suffered and bled and died for us? Now He sits at the right hand of the Father, having all authority over everything. Jesus is our King, and He will be our judge. And when we feel tired or overwhelmed or exhausted with all the madness in the world, and sometimes we do feel that way, we have those days when we are, we're down, we're just feeling empty, maybe we want to give up. Remember what Jesus endured. Compare that to what we're going through. Just put things in perspective. He went through all of that with joy at the idea of saving us. I'm not saying that he enjoyed that abuse. I'm saying that he willingly did that for the joy of saving us and having us in heaven with him as children of God. That kept him going. His love for us kept him going through all of that. So again, focus on Jesus. That is the answer. Surely. If he could do that, if he could focus on the goal, the prize of saving us, that's what he needed to do. That's what he wanted to do. Surely we can do what he has told us to do. Surely we can maintain our faith and love of others. After all, Jesus did all of that to bring all of us into God's family, even those who don't believe or refuse to believe. He did die for them as well. They're just not accepting it. So, Paul speaks of maintaining our alignment with Jesus in Ephesians. 
Now, this is, again, part of our focusing on the Lord in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Here in Ephesians, Paul says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Remember that Jesus is the foundation, the founder of it all. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So, Jesus is our cornerstone. And we're all... Stones. Now, this is a spiritual thing that Paul is teaching us here. We are all stones in this temple to God, right? But to fit and to make a proper temple, to make a proper structure, we have to align ourselves with Jesus, our cornerstone. We've got to line up and match up and be in alignment with him. We have to follow this pattern and be in that pattern with him. All of us, not just one of us, but all of us, we need to. So, he is the cornerstone. Again, as we're following Jesus, as we align ourselves with him and his teaching and his leadership, he as the cornerstone, he keeps us straight and in order with the plan, God's plan, which is to get us all to heaven, to be with him. So that we are living stones in that spiritual temple that Peter also mentions. If we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, coming to him, coming to Jesus the Lord, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So how do we use this, this knowledge and this goal and this this idea of focusing on Jesus, aligning ourselves with Jesus? How do we keep this focus going? Well, we must be devoted. We must be committed to the Lord. That involves taking time for the Lord every day, time in prayer, study of the Bible, then acting according to what we learn, being willing to accept that, yes, sometimes I'm going to learn something from the Bible that tells me I'm wrong, I've done something wrong, or I'm doing something wrong, and I need to correct that. That's going to happen. That's what the Bible is for, to help us be corrected and to do things correctly. This is how we are being built up. That's how we are edified, is learning from the Bible. So then we will be doing what God desires of us when we are committed to the Lord, following Him, and learning about Him and from Him and drawing closer to Him. That's what uh, God tells us through Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. 
we must have love first. Notice that, and Paul has a whole thing in the epistles where he talks about love, and if you are not doing things in love, it's just a waste of time. He says, if I'm not doing this in love, it's fruitless, it's pointless. So we must have love. If we don't have love, then nothing we do matters. And we're talking about godly love, where we're concerned for others. We're concerned for their spiritual welfare, and we're concerned for their physical and their earthly needs as well. And we can't please God without the knowledge of God, right? If we don't know God, we're not going to know any of the rest of this. How can you please God or follow the Lord if you don't know anything about Him? The Bible is the only way we know about the Lord. So then again, if we look here, Samuel also backs this up when he's talking to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. The Lord was already impressing upon the Israelites even that to listen and obey him was more important than the rituals and the other standard things they were doing. So here in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. So we must obey and follow what the Lord has told us. This is not an option. But how can we obey what we don't know? We must Listen to the Lord. How can we hear Him today? How can we hear the Lord? It's only through the Bible. Whether you listen to it or read it, whatever method works for you is fine. But you need to hear and understand what the Lord is telling us. How we live each day in following the Lord, learning about Him, And putting that knowledge to use and praying for and serving others, that is worshiping each day in spirit and truth. And that is what God desires. Not just a few times a week at service, though that's certainly good and we should want to go to church and we should want to be with other Christians. Every day we need to be worshiping. Worshiping means self-sacrifice, giving our time and effort to God. That is our sacrifice to the Lord. We give our time and our effort to follow Jesus. It also means making some better decisions. If we look at back in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, Cain had a decision to make, and the Lord was advising him on how to make that decision. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, this is the Lord speaking to Cain. If you do well, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Cain chose not to listen to the Lord, as we know, and he killed Abel. But we know that sin does desire us. Satan and evil is always wanting to lure us away from the Lord. We must focus on Jesus and obey what he has said, following that law of love that he's given us, even when it's unpopular or people do not understand it. 
meaning that we actually do what Jesus has said for us to do. We must be forgiving and loving and serving others. Even when they aren't pretty, even when they're rude and maybe they smell bad, when they offend our sensibilities in some way, even when they're our enemies, we're told to love our enemies. Jesus came not to reign, but to serve, to set that example. And now he does reign, and rightfully so. If we follow his example, then we are his kings and priests here on earth, and we shall reign with him. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11-13. through 13, This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. If we look at verse 11, he's talking about, for if we have died with him in baptism and been raised with him, we also live with Jesus. And that's an eternal life then that he gives us. Then if we endure, in other words, if we will endure whatever is going on in our lives here, whatever persecution we might face, if we will endure and stay faithful to him, even though we're going to make mistakes, but we stay faithful to him, then we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, though, he will deny us. So we, we can't deny the Lord. And if we are faithless, he still remains faithful. We, if we're faithless, the Lord is still there. We can always trust the Lord. He is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he is. We must endure and keep our focus on Jesus. I hope this helps reinforce the need to focus on Jesus. He is our Lord and our King, and He cares for us. In closing, I also want us to notice that if we deny Jesus, He will deny us. If we are faithless, He is still faithful. Realize that Jesus will judge us on our faithfulness. He remains faithful to the Father and in His duties and in His love for us. But that means He will judge us. Now, faithfulness, which we must have, is not being perfect. It is following Jesus even when we make mistakes, even when we blow it and sin, even when we wander off, but we come back. Being faithful is repenting for those things and changing ourselves. Okay, When we see these mistakes, these errors we're making, we are repenting and changing ourselves and then continuing to follow the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Let His teachings change us and mold us into a likeness of Him. That is the path of salvation, following Jesus' example and repenting and changing when we are wrong, then continuing to follow the Lord. Don't quit. Stay faithful. Keep giving your time and your effort and your love to the Lord. So I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.